Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to World Cup Time Machine. And that music you heard was the BBC's theme tune for their coverage of the 1986 Mexico World Cup. Uh, we've chosen that as our favourite of the two broadcasters' themes, haven't we, Sam? Yeah, it sounds rather like a, more like a sort of an, an action show of the time, such as Knight Rider yeah. or Street Hawk. Street Hawk or Manimal. One of them things. Mm. Um, Airwolf, perhaps. Airwolf, one of those blue thunder but it, it sounds like it means business doesn't it yeah it's no nonsense but it doesn't really sound mexican in any way not at all it's just more it, what the, that song's trying to say is get ready for action adventure and a non-stop thrill ride and was that what we got in the world cup in 1986 i think so i've got very fond memories of the world cup in 1986 obviously it was uh as an england fan it had um quite a few ups and downs mm-hmm. and end on a big down but there was lots of other good things about it, aside from uh, England's adventures. Uh, there were sort of memorable teams, like the famous Denmark team, who I uh, hope we're going to get on to, who, who I was very a, fond a, of. Did you have a man crush on the Denmark team of the time? I did, yeah, and Michael Laudrup. we all did, didn't we? Yeah, they were just a, a sort of a fun-loving, freewheeling sort of a team. Uh, kind we, of the Holland of the, the 1980s. They were, yeah, and Michael Laudrup was sort of my favourite player, I think. I mean... That tournament had a lot of great players in it, uh, not least Maradona. But, you know, the stars were sort of Maradona, Platini, Lineker, but Michael Laudrup, for me, yeah. was, was the number one. And this was the first World Cup that you've got really sort of vivid memories. Very of, vivid right? memories of recreating games in the playground at my primary school with a tennis ball. Right. Because we weren't allowed a football in the playground. Did you have, have any rules like we, that? No, primary school, no, we weren't allowed a football either. We it had to be a tennis ball. The, the, because windows had been broken, so we played with tennis ball. But the, the 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 headmaster said, if you, and we all complained, the headmaster said, I know that you're annoyed that I banned footballs, but if you learn how to play with a tennis ball, when you're eventually given a football to play with, football will, it will seem easier by comparison. Yeah. And so your skill level will be high. But I've always been quite shit. So right, so you don't think that didn't was, work. Think was just bullshit. I remember in the same speech he claimed that he played, he genuinely <laughs> claimed, sounds like such a cliche, but he genuinely claimed that when he was a kid, him and his mates played with a lump of coal. They never had a ball. Well, I was they just going to say, it's kind of like one of those stories you hear about Brazilian kids playing on the streets of Sao Paulo or wherever. Yeah. They, they just play with a rock in their bare feet. And yeah. It makes them into better players. And also, someone told me, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but in Brazil, then they couldn't, those beach kids, 
they couldn't afford shin pads. No. So they would roll their shins with glass bottles every day to flatten them over time. Right. To fashion their actual shin bones... Into pads. Into shin pads. Uh, so, they'd be, so they'd never actually need shin pads. they just roll Genius. a glass bottle over and over again on their leg every morning. Genius street kids there. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Now, Mexico um, was given the 1986 World Cup kind of at the last minute because it was originally going to be Colombia. Mm. And Colombia pulled it in 1982 and just went, fucking hell, we've had a look at how much this is going to cost. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah. We're not doing well, it. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. You we've plan all, a big holiday. We've all bitten off more than we can chew In and then had to go back and say, I can't actually yeah. do this. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but In no. work, in holidays, in loving relationships, yeah. we've all, you know... Um, know. You've, have you written, bitten off written, more than you can chew it in the bedroom before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, right. it, no, the phrase is, your mouth's writing checks that your ass cannot catch. Is that right? That sounds like a, a phrase from a 1986 drama Mo- series like Manimal. Yeah, exactly. Man- Manimal was always going on about that. <laughs> His catchphrase. <laughs> As he was halfway through changing into a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> and Mexico... Um, yeah, as I say, they got it at the last minute, and then eight months before the tournament was rocked by a huge earthquake. Um, I don't have the death toll to hand. It's less than the Salvador Civil War. I know that much, but it was enough to Sorry, seriously. Sorry, you don't. You don't have the death toll to hand. Yeah, do you have the death toll to hand? I don't, but I'm. I would have thought if you were going to bring an earthquake up, you would have the specifics of the death toll to hand. This is a serious podcast, so... Yeah, it is. Perhaps I should have thought about that Mexican death toll. The listeners want to know the death toll, mate. And actually, this World Cup series so far has really made a point of being quite accurate about all death tolls. At least 5,000 people okay. died in the 1985 Mexican City. It'd be nice to have a bit more accuracy, but at least we know the ballpark uh, we're a, dealing a, with. A, a magnitude of 8 on the uh, Richter scale. Right. And a Mercalli intensity of nine brackets violent, it says here. Oh, violent. Jesus. Sounds nasty. So So there you go. So that had just happened. And next thing you know. In spite of all that, they managed to knock a World Cup together. Well, you've got to hand it to them. You've got to say they stepped in, they helped out their Latin cousins Mm -hmm. who'd made a massive and humiliating fuck up. No surprise that they haven't been offered it since, by the way. And the Mexicans had only done it a few years previously in 1970. Yeah. So I suppose they felt, well, we're all set up for it still. Yeah, we've still, got, we've all still the got the stuff. We haven't sailed any of it off. We've got all the banners. Yeah. <laughs> all of the... <laughs> and now, all the other stuff you need. What do you need to put a World Cup together? You need banners. You need... Obviously, you need stadium. But apart from that, you need... Um... You need catering trolleys, hot dog trolleys. Yeah, you need you need a lot of food. Um, Fridges. You need you need a mascot. You need to have taken some sort of stereotypical, probably a food stuff. Yeah. From your country, drawn a face on it and given it a name. Simple as that. Yeah. Maximum profit. And Mexico would have had. I don't know who that was for Mexico in 1970, but in 1986 it was. PK. Yes. Now, he was, um, uh, uh, I was going to say a jalapeno pepper, but apparently that's not how you pronounce that's it. That's not because, correct pronunciation. I, I went on to Wikipedia to get the correct pronunciation so I wouldn't get it wrong. Would you like to hear how it's pronounced yeah. on Wikipedia? 
Jalapeño. Oh, that's beautiful. You've got a great accent, again? Andy. Yeah, do it again. Jalapeño. Andy, I find you quite sexy when you say that. Jalapeño. Yeah, it's lovely. And uh, I remember him very well. I'd love a, I'd love to get a... I wonder if I can go on eBay and get a T-shirt of you this must, fella. You must be able to. He was a jalapeño pepper yeah. with a fucking massive sombrero yeah. and a Mexican moustache. Well, The I've Mexicans been... went for their own stereotype. Yeah, and, and I, I applaud them for that because yeah. I think that is the way to go. Yeah. Um, I think that's great. I think they just think, listen, we know the way that... I, we know what you want from us and we're going to fucking give it to you. They could have gone for Speedy Gonzalez from yeah. the cartoons but they've avoided obviously for copyright reasons they've avoided getting as close to Speedy Gonzalez as they could but they, they instead they had Pinky mate by the way you're forgetting the fact that oh yeah no you did say he had a big moustache yeah but he's fucking sensational and he looks ever so happy and he's there leaning on a ball and just looking at him brings back so many memories of that time he's my favourite jalapeno mm. of all time I think I think he's my favourite World Cup mascot <sighs> You know what? I think there's a theory here which your first World Cup is the one that sticks with you the most. Well, and for t- me, Naranjito, the orange, from 82, is yeah. the one with his little orange girlfriend and his lemon pal. Well, I tell robot. you, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, right? But we're talking about two classics of the genre. The next podcast we do will be Italia 90, yep. which is potentially my favourite World Cup right? in terms of the, the memories I've got at the time. But I can tell you, the mascot they had was a fucking insult to football fans disgrace, everywhere. It? it was the worst. It was a fucking excuse of a mascot. A stick man made it out was, of some It was like some fucker had thrown blocks. it together at the last minute yeah. as an afterthought. But at the same time, it simultaneously looks like the sort of thing that an ad agency would have charged a million yeah, pounds exactly. to have designed. It was charmless. It was characterless. It was a stick man that they had half-heartedly made Italian by colouring in the colours. They'd given it a football for a head. And you know what the worst part of it of all was? What? Do you know what they called it? Thought, what can we call it? They're sitting around. What can we call it? Something Italian. Something that sounds quintessentially Italian, uh, but gives it character what too. What's it called? Someone's gone, fuck it, just call it Chow. <laughs> so they fucking called it Hello. Oh, goodbye. Hello or goodbye. <laughs> no yeah, one true. knows. I'd have liked it to have said goodbye. I'd like to get my hands on the fucker that came up with it and wring his neck. Fucking throttle him. Of course, uh, Chow didn't have a neck. No. <laughs> can we get back to 1986? But if he had done, I would have fucking rung him by can we, it. Can we get back to 1986? <laughs> now, for me, 1986 wasn't quite as good as 82, and I think that's got a lot to do with the goals. There were 146 goals in 82, just 132 goals in 86. It didn't feel as flamboyant and as kind of razzmatazz and jizz-jazz as 82 did. But yeah. th- there were reasons for that. A, it was insanely hot in Mexico at that time. Now, apparently, Graham Soonis lost a stone in weight during <laughs> one match. An entire stone. Great stuff. Poor Soonis. Mm. Um, and they were playing at altitude, of course. This, that's what I was going to get onto. The thin air that we were all warned about beforehand. You had teams going out there for altitude training. The Danes, the hipsters of the tournament, yeah. they were training with oxygen tanks strapped to their backs. Fucking I don't know why. Well, I don't know if they were planning to play. The thing about the, the thing about or... the um, the Danes is they've always been one step ahead of the rest of the world. If you look at everything in Denmark, if that's the case, we still haven't caught up with that step. No, they won't be doing oxygen. it now. The English players won't do it because not yet. No, in, maybe in a couple of decades. Fucking hell. Just like with the old recycling. 
They've been doing that since the Victorian times over there. Yeah. We've only just got round to it. I mean, obviously, the likes of you and I still aren't doing it. But, you know, some people in our country have started only just recycling. With with me, when it comes to recycling, I like to throw something in if I think it deserves a second chance. Yeah. Don't so, know whether it's got a recycling symbol on the label or anything. How do you decide? I just have a look at it and think, does that deserve another crack? You think that's a, that's uh, a nice could jam be a jar? box, could be a jam jar, could be a plastic bottle, oh, it could like... be a half-eaten tin of beans. I'm like sort of gifting it onto someone else. I'm one of those, I'll... I'll get a sh- I'll nick a shopping trolley from Sainsbury's car park. I'll fill it up with a load of old shit that we don't need from the house anymore. I chuck it in the canal. I say, take your fucking chances, mate. That's London. You can do that. You here, can do you? that. Yeah, you don't mind. Get Sadiq Khan's fine about it. <laughs> so there was the thin air, which the Danes overcame with their oxygen tank strapped to their back. Uh, the kickoff times were weird. We had seven p.m. kickoffs here in Britain. But those matches were actually being played at noon in Mexico in the searing heat. So it's hardly surprising that players were losing massive amounts of weight. But then the second matches of the day were played at 11pm our time. So were you allowed to stay up late and watch those matches? I stayed up for... I remember staying up late for an England game. And I think it would have been... I've got a memory of it being the one where Lineker scored a hat-trick, which I think was against Poland in the final group game. We had to go through because we'd had a disaster, hadn't we? We'd we'd lost to Portugal and drawn with Morocco and we had to win and we were on tenterhooks and Lineker just destroyed them. And I remember that, I think, I mean, you might tell me different, I think I I have memories of being up late for that game. Well, I haven't got it written down here, but I'm going to see. All right, fair enough. It probably was. And I, I think the Argentina game might have been a late one as well, but again, I might be wrong. I don't about think that. it was because I, I've got very strong memories of being at my uncle's house for that and it being a bright sunny day that ended, in metaphorically tears. speaking, in nothing but dark skies and thunder. <laughs> <laughs> the Falklands, the rematch, basically, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose we're going to get on to that fateful game. A game that in many ways casts a shadow over the England team's history ever since. The sort of the highs, the lows and the sense of injustice. It kind of has lived with us long long past the actual hand of God incident itself. Well, before it's then kind as of well. defined our sense of self. Before then as well, you look back to the 82, we beat France 3-1 in that first game. And who was the team that got to the semi-finals of the competition? Yeah. France won it. And we got dumped out. But don't you think the hand of God specifically, just that the image, that image, the iconic image of him of him handballing it past poor old silly old Peter Shilton, <laughs> right? <laughs> and yet to reach you know, his silliest, a kindly but kind of decrepit old gentleman, or so he thought at the time. This was before the uh, wife beating allegations, which we won't go with into it, here. Was it? Was it? Wife beating allegations. Hang on a minute. I'll get. I'll. You look a bit worried now. I'm gonna just <laughs> Google this because genuinely we'll have to edit this out if there wasn't. Yeah. Oh, I've just put do in you, Shilton W and it's come up Shilton wife beater. Do, do you know? <laughs> okay. I can that tell you. That could be based on previous searches that I've done though. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. I can tell you why it's so it's so awful that I just said that willy nilly on this podcast, which has now an audience of millions because I'm thinking why do I think that and then I'm thinking what what what's my source I mean me I'm a very credible journalist and my source I've just raked my mind for 
for what my source is on him being an alleged wife beater. <laughs> and the only thing I can remember basing this on was standing on the North Bank at Upton Park when Peter Shilton was playing in goal in front of us, probably for Derby County, and the whole stand singing Shilton beats his wife up. That's my only source. Right. And it's unreliable. I'll say this. In December 1986, police were called to Mr. and Mrs. Shilton's Southampton home after a row, and he was detained at his local station for several hours, cooling down, it says oh. here. Later, Mrs. Shilton denied that her husband was a wife beater. So on the record now, we can say categorically, categorically Peter Shilton is not, was not, and probably never will be a wife beater. There were there were allegations. The allegations were never given any credibility whatsoever. Poo pooed by Mrs. Shilton, the wife. This is herself. the stuff of hearsay and gossip and rumour and and lacks any credibility. So anyway, that aside, I just think that image of kindly gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Shilton being duped by a wily Latin pickpocket yep. uh, sort of hangs over us now and almost defines us. Even players now going into the tournament in Russia, they weren't even born back then. But somehow it's in their psyche, it's in their very DNA, the idea that we will luck will never be on our side and we will always be duped by yeah. wily foreigners. <laughs> While we're on the subject of England, let's listen to their World Cup single that they released, which I, I can say without fear of any kind of contradiction from Peter Shilton or his wife, um, was a load of shit. <laughs> enough of that that's yeah. um, the England World Cup squad we've got the whole world at our feet it failed to chart yeah I mean it passed without trace we were talked in the last podcast about 82 number two uh, that one this reached time. in the I mean that that was yeah that dominated the charts of, of that year uh, 1990 of course was a very famous song as well but this one was a right load of old dog shit and it, that's why it passed without trace it was just too poor plus it was very boastful I didn't like the sentiment of it there's not a single team that we can't beat this, that's, this you're sound. setting yourself up there aren't you for shortly a fall shortly before they lost against Portugal and drew with Morocco <laughs> yeah exactly I mean for fuck's sake I wonder why if the didn't... Moroccan players were singing it to them as they went off the pitch at do the you end. think Bobby Robson wrote the lyrics possibly Possibly. Or do you think he got Bernie Taupin to do it and he just it composed the melody? It doesn't feel like a Taupin. No? No, it doesn't feel like a Taupin to me. But there we go. That was uh, that was England's song. Um, while we're on the subject of songs, shall we listen to some others? Yeah. We've got the Scotland effort from 1986. And this is a bit more Mexican flavoured. In fact, it's called Big Trip to Mexico. Oh.
is it just me or do they sound drunk? Well, they probably were. I mean, let's look at the bloody makeup of that squad. You got Charlie Nicholas, Alan Brazil, Frank McAvenny. I mean, this was one of the most carousing football squads ever assembled in the history of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you could be right there. So that was, I don't know what the fuck that was called. What was it? Something about, we're on a big trip to Mexico. That was uh, yeah, yeah, dude, fucking big say that again, Mexico. big man. Come ahead. Jalapeno. Once again, as we said when we were talking about the 1982 World Cup on the last mm. podcast, I have an affection for this particular Scotland squad for the reasons yeah. I just said. They had great players, and of course they went into it um, amidst tragedy, didn't they? They did. Jock Stein, the manager, collapsed and died in the dugout during the final qualifying match. What a way to go. It's what he would have wanted. Yep, seeing Scotland into the next World Cup, and Alex Ferguson took over mm. and guided them um, through the tournament to uh, uh, a 1-0 defeat against Denmark, a 2-1 defeat against West Germany, and a 0-0 draw with Uruguay. No, it's not a very good good, uh, performance. Performance And and really, you look at the team and the standard of players and the the players who were winning medals in the English top flight at the time. Should have done a lot better. They should have done better. The highlight of Scotland's... I mean, they only scored one goal, so that was the highlight of their goals. But it was that goal from Gordon Strachan where he then tried to climb up over the advertising hoarding. As and, part he of the couldn't. and he couldn't because he was too wee. So they just slung one leg over he it. put one leg up on the top, yeah. They had some uh, great players. Uh, Roy Aitken, he was a good player. Davy Cooper was a fantastic winger. McAvenny, of course, had just had a fantastic season for West Ham, one of my own personal favourites. Sooness was still going strong. Strachan... Archibald, Nicholas, <clears throat> Graham Sharp, who would have just uh, recently won a league with mm-hmm. Everton. I no, mean, no Hansen and no Dalglish. Dalglish was injured, and Hansen Ferguson had been dropped. Biffed Hansen, didn't he? Did he? because he didn't believe in his commitment levels. Wow. I think Hansen had maybe pulled out of a friendly or two in the build-up. Wow. And Ferguson wasn't having that. They didn't. They, you know, they had Jim Layton in goal. And Alan Ruff, neither of whom. They were famous, weren't they, at the time, Scotland, for having dodgy keepers. But it was a good team, and Alex Ferguson should have got more out of them, and he was obviously a poor manager. Yes, whatever happened to him, I wonder. This is it! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This is it. Um, what else have we got to look at? Getting back to songs, Northern Ireland did a song again in 1986 because they were there again. Yeah. Doesn't feature Dana this time. This one is called, quite simply, 
Come on, Northern Ireland. That sounds like that's been recorded on a prototype karaoke machine. That is a shit song. Was it as shit as the England song? Yeah, possibly. Almost as bad. Again, lazy lyricism. didn't have any delusions of grandeur like the England song did. No, that's true. Come on, Northern Ireland. Yeah, you're right. At least the lyrics, they were written in the right spirit. Yeah, the method was we're going to go and we'll have a go. It was encouraging rather than boastful or arrogant. And they did say we're going to have a holiday as well, so they're not not saying we're going to go and win the thing and there's not a team that we can't beat. nice time out in Mexico. We'll get over there and, you know... If, if no one dies, we'll have a, a we'll have a little look around, yeah. and we'll you know go and take in some of the nightlife. Maybe go to some historical sites, and you know, all being well, we'll come back having felt as if we've had a good time. None of us will be accused of stealing any jewellery. Yeah, like exactly. Bobby Moore in nineteen seventy. Yeah, nothing like that. And as I understand it, that's how it all went for we, them. We we come in peace. We mean no harm. Yeah. And they got a one-one draw with Algeria. They lost two-one to Spain in the rematch of that 1982 yeah. classic match and then they got humped 3-0 by Brazil and that was Northern Ireland going home back to England now we've kind of touched upon the group stage we lost 1-0 against Portugal and drew 0-0 with Morocco and Brian Robson's shoulder was the main oh. bone of contention in every sense Slap me yeah everything was pinned on Brian Robson's shoulder which pinged during that Morocco game, do you remember him going off, holding onto it? He looked like he was crying. Of course, he wouldn't have been because he wouldn't cry. But he he was he looked in agony. I remember being quite upset myself just yeah. watching him. It was horrible to watch. Um, but as we've said before, you know, I think we called him the what was it the the mournful savage, <laughs> droopy eyed because he's droopy eyed. He, he looks sad. There's a sadness within him. Yeah. He kind of knew what was going to happen. And that was him out. And well, then, it's that and thing then, again of, of England pinning all their hopes on a, a crocked player. Yeah, because he, he was sort of our superstar going into it. He wasn't by the end because a new superstar emerged during the tournament in the, in the form of gorgeous Gary Lineker. In the third match. But, go, two... but going into it, we thought that it was we were pinning all our hopes on Robson. And on the Captain face of Marvel. it, a central midfield made up of Brian Robson and Ray Wilkins wasn't half bad because you, what you've got there is two natural-born leaders. And uh, within a couple of games, one had broken his fucking shoulder and the other one had got <laughs> sent off for lobbing a ball at the ref. Yeah, Wilkins got himself sent off. I think he blamed it on the heat subsequently. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible hot out there. Oh, it, it really was, young man. It was a, a extremely hot day and it must have gone to my head. I found myself losing my rag. I found, and it's not like me to do that, but uh, I threw go. it at the referee and there next we thing, are. yeah. Oh, really? I didn't feel superb in the least. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> so yeah, Good old it, was, Ray. it was it was um, Gary Lineker's hat trick against Poland that that kind of dragged England out of the doldrums. It was the same old story again. It's it's you know England start badly, the press are on their back, they need to get a result, and mm. somehow they managed to 
claw one out. They pulled it out of the bag because on the face of it, you would have thought going into that, Poland would have, were going to be, of the three get group games we had, Poland was the last one and looked like being the hardest. Yeah, of course, Morocco, Portugal were nothing back Portugal then, back then were like, yeah, like a third world team in them days. No, nothing. You know, it's one of those countries where you had to, if you wipe your bum if you're there on holiday, you had to, you had to throw the paper in the, in the bin. Yeah. That's what, that's what they were having to deal do with. Do you do that? If you still have to do that, like Cyprus, I think they still have to do that, and Greece. Some countries, but you're you best off steering clear of them, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but in Portugal they had that, so obviously they were in football in terms they were minnows, and uh, <laughs> I mean Bobby Robson would have said that that would have pretty much been Bobby Robson's team talk in the dressing room, lads, lads, you know I don't know how many of you have been to Portugal, but I have, and you have to after you wipe your ass, you still have to put it in, the, put it in bin the bin because the plumbing cannot take it, lads, and that's what you're up against here. They're in there in the other. They're having their pre-match shits, and they're still chucking the paper around like animals. It's a different mindset, lads. <laughs> There's a great bit of research that I did about Bobby Robson for the Italia ninety, and I'll, I'll just tell you it now. Okay. This is in the tunnel before the Cameroon match. Bobby Robson <laughs> shouts at the England players, "Come on, lads! These boys don't look up to it." And one of the Cameroon players just leaned across and went. We speak English, Mr. Robson. <laughs> Great. <laughs> they don't look up for it. <laughs> so, yeah, England managed to get through, and then they were in the second round. That stupid group, fucking mini group of three thing from 82 had gone, and we were yeah, in they'd knockout. Yeah, fi- they'd finally... This was the first time they'd got the system that we enough still live enough. by today. It's, yeah. the, it's the classic mechanism, isn't it? It's the classic mechanism. You can't reverse the mechanism now. No. Once you've got it. And England played Paraguay and won 3-0. Which you would kind of expect, really, at that point, wouldn't you? Well, we'd just come off the back of a thumping win against Poland. Do we know anything about the toileting facilities in Paraguay? Almost certainly, I put it in the it's bin, a bin situation. Job, you think? And that's if they had bins. <laughs> they might not have even had them yet in Paraguay. What do you think? Just out of the window into an alley? But did they have windows? I don't know. I think they just lobbed it across the room. <laughs> or, even worse, stuck it in their pocket. On the wall. Like a dirty protest. Yeah. Well, like you do nowadays with dogs. If you're a dog, you're a dog owner. I am, yeah. You presumably carry a little bag a little of shit bags. around with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you imagine having to do that for yourself. Fucking That's hell. what those Paraguayans would have been doing. And yet again, Bobby Robson would have given a team <laughs> talk based on that. And the, some of the lads, the younger ones, I mean, you're more educated player like Gary Lineker, who was emerging at the time, that yeah. kind of new modern footballer. He would have been looking... That would have been the first time Lineker ever debuted his little have a word with him. Well, you know, where he does, but he would have been talking about the gaffer because he's like, he's on about toilet facilities again. It was probably that team talk that, that sparked Gary Lineker's move to Barcelona after mm. the tournament because he probably just started thinking, what's it like abroad? Hmm, I wonder. Will mm. I ever play abroad? And then he got the chance. Because according and... to the gaffer, there's um, you can't flush your shit properly. Yeah. Uh, so, I, better, I better have a word with the I don't know if agent. I don't know if that. Yeah, I'll see if my agent knows anything about Catalonia. Gary, we've got lots of offers coming in <laughs> after this World Cup. <laughs> lots of countries, lots of foreign teams want you to go and play for them. Uh-huh. Can you? Um, could you get me a list of uh, the, the the toilet facilities in each of the countries, please? Yeah, <laughs> we've got Bayern Munich. We've got Juventus. They both flush. And we got a. Sp- <laughs> now they're both flashing countries. 
We've also had uh, Barcelona on the line. Well, where are they? They're in Spain. Right, what's the situation out there? Well, I've spoken to El Tell, and he swears blind he's had not a moment's trouble with the flashing facilities in his compound. He says the rules are you're not allowed to flash, but he does it anyway, and no one's come back to him on it. However... he's got a B-day for washing your ass if you want to do that as well. I've told him probably not for the first few months, at least while you're settling in. You've got to take these things in baby steps. He did say, though, no sanitary products or hand towels or wet wipes, because then you are in trouble. But I said it was unlikely you'd be using any of them. Uh, Well, in that case, my mind's made up. Barcelona Barcelona it is. (laughs) This This is it. And then England played Argentina, which we've kind of covered already. Do you have anything you want to say about the Maradona hand of of God? Well, I've said my thoughts on that. And, of course, then there's the other goal. I quite admire it, you know. Yeah, I mean, you got you got, you got to say fair play to him. He saw an opportunity and he took done. it. What's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to get a yellow card? What's the best yeah, that's exactly. going to happen? It's, 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 it's like, fuck it. And also, you've got to, you know, Peter Shilton, not to go, we've, I've done enough damage about Peter Shilton on Christ, this podcast. Yeah. So I'm going to be careful what I say. Peter Shilton, lovely guy. In his day, he was regarded as the best goalkeeper in the world. But for me, that was the first signal of his decline which we saw again in the next World Cup, because he shouldn't have allowed that to happen. No. Diego Maradona was what, four foot one? Something like that. Right? Shilton's a colossus of a man. Yeah. How on earth he allowed Maradona to, to leap above him. like a salmon Yeah. And, uh, and do that? I mean, it's ridiculous. It should have been Shilton. Shilton should have wiped him out. Shilton should he have, have shoe-knackered him. him. Yeah. And then he would have won the King Bastard tournament. Yeah, the- shoe-knackered him. Well, as it happened, is that uh, Diego Maradona was the player of the tournament, but also, and I believe this is still a unique achievement, he won both player and bastard of the tournament. He was didn't king he? bastard of the tournament. Usually, as well as that's two separate people, but very in, separate. Ju- just once, uh, the the best player was also the best bastard. Yeah, and of course, he followed it up a couple of minutes later with that that miracle goal. Yeah, where he he drifted through. He went past Peter Reid. I think there was Terry Fennick, Steve um, Hodge, Steve Hodge. I mean, when uh, you Jack listen- Charlton, yeah, <laughs> Isambard Kingdom, Brunel, yeah, f- went through all of them. The like a third nice Earl of Rochester, yes, and of course Shergar. Yes, he went past a lot of them. He made them all look like fools. He did. Um, but also, Shilton was at fault for that. Sorry, I sound like I've got a vendetta against Shilton. But look at that ga- that goal again. He goes round Shilton like he wasn't there. Shilton was probably mesmerised by what he was seeing. I thought it was some kind of um, It was a piss goal. I mean, thank God he did a similar thing against Belgium in the semi-final, so that made us look less daft for letting him do it. Better goal as well, I think, because he just literally ran through them as if they weren't there. Yeah. There was four or five of them, wasn't there? Yeah, do you reckon he was on the old Charlie bat then? Oh, of course he was. He wouldn't try and pull off shit like that. Well, you both those goals to me. up, would you? Both those goals have got cocaine written all over them. Because <laughs> the first one is that sort of cocaine, you know, if you've got any experience of cocaine, which, uh, you know, I'll readily admit in my past I do. The first goal is kind of that sort of cocaine thing where you're thinking... This isn't going to make you look good in the subsequent uh, libel trial with Peter Schultz, is it? <laughs> Delaney, who on the same broadcast admitted to be previously being a cocaine user in his youth... <laughs> Um, 
Send I, him down. I've not admitted that. I'm just saying I know I've, in, in the past You've I've known people, people who have, you know, in the showbiz world who've taken cocaine. Okay. And he's thought, and it's the, the chutzpah and the audacity that that he was filled with in order to go, he's like, fuck this. I'm going to jump above people. Just the sort of, the, just <laughs> thinking, I, Diego Maradona, I'm going to jump above, above the head of Peter Shelton <laughs> and handle it in. You don't think that sort of thought unless you're on drugs. True. Similarly, you don't receive the ball in the centre circle and think, what I'm going to do now is run round all of these players and then the goalkeeper and then score. You, that's only people on cocaine think things like that. I think we're advocating here that all footballers should be given cocaine. Oh, I've long ahead advocated. Of all football should there should be a special cocaine World Cup. Yes. Not where you take cocaine competitively, although that also would be interesting. <laughs> but um and of course the South Americans would dominate. But the uh, I think that play teams playing on cocaine would be interesting, and certainly this Argentinian side proved that. Very definitely. This, this is it. it. A couple of notable goals we could like to remember from this tournament. Josie Ma. Josie Ma. My mate William Gallagher in the playground was so taken with that goal that he used to. <laughs> did you used to a lot of players, and he was he was one of the main ones used to used to self commentate. Right, so yeah. when you're playing football, he would commentate on himself in a commentator voice, like a slightly nasal commentator voice. I, w- I would do that when I was playing in the garden at home by myself. Yeah, yeah. So I'd Not do it. Other people. I would do it by myself, but he would do it in actual games. Arrogant bastard. Yeah, he was. He was quite a good player, and he got the ball, and he used to shout Josimar as he went round people, <laughs> like Marco Tardelli. Yeah. Josimar, because or like Tony Polster. Yeah. Tony Polster. <laughs> Josimar, William. <laughs> the other goal that, that stands out for me personally, uh, it wasn't the best goal of the tournament. It was by Vasily Ratz for the Soviet from Union. From the Soviet Union. Yeah. Uh, long shot. Long shot. But the best thing about it was that he scored it past Joel Batz, the French, the French keeper. Ratz beated Batz. Ah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> are Ratz better than Batz? I think that proved once and for all that they are. Would you say that, though? If you put a rat and a bat in a cardboard box, who would win? Well, that's an unfair fight because the bat's domain is the, the sky. Yeah, okay. I will answer the question. The rat would win. Yeah. But now let me say that's the that's the that's the if it was two legs home and away. Right. What happens when the rat has to go and play up in the fucking sky with the bat? And here's how you do it. If you're wondering, the flat the 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 bat flies over. Yeah. You pick up the rat and Throw lob it at the bat, at the bat right. and we see what happens. Would I the, tell you what. The the bat wins on away goals, but would the would the rat not bite you as you were about to throw it? That's no. always that well, danger, isn't there? It, not if you know what you're doing. Is it a tamed rat? <laughs> not if, a, no, a pet rat. No, it's a wild rat. No, but do you know you you got to know how to handle the rat? How do you handle a rat? Just fucking pick it up in such a way that it can't bite you. So just do it in one motion, so it doesn't even know. Pick it up by it's, it's in the box. Here's how you do it: pick it up by its tail, its long pink tail, right, and swing it round. <laughs> Like you're doing the hammer at the Olympics, and then pick up some momentum and then release. So before you do this, the rat is back in the cardboard box that it played the first leg in, yeah. thinking, "Oh, this is all right. This is going to be another bat thrown in here with me soon. <laughs> Tea time." <laughs> but what you actually do is you quickly pick it up by the tail, swing it round, and swing it round, it lob it out, and the bat's just hovering, waiting, like. Right. My time to shine. Yeah. That's what the bat's thinking. Yeah. Let's see how you're getting on the air, you wingless dickhead. I lost 1-0 away in the first leg, yeah. but that means nothing because that was just half-time. 
Yeah, it's only half time, lads. And three nil second leg. Yeah, as it devours the rat in midair. In midair. Well, what it would probably try to do is try and catch the rat in its teeth. Right. And then fly around with it, toying with it. Yeah. And um, slow, yeah, a slow kill. Slow kill. They, they all like to do it. You know, I all don't know bats. if you've got a cat. Well, everyone in the animal any, kingdom. Any animal that ends in ET. <laughs> yeah, all the no, most animals prefer cats, a slow rats. kill. Yeah, they're all the part of the same family. Oh right, the same group of animals. So they all the, ha- the ants demonstrate the same behaviour patterns, when, which is uh, kill. The, yeah, they're all instilled with. They take delight. Slow kill. They take delight in others' pain. Right. They lack empathy. Uh, they're sadists. So we've proven there that bats are better than rats. In my opinion. No, I think. I but I would like you. to hear what the listeners felt. Yeah, tweet us on at TF Time Machine if yeah. you've got any thoughts on that, uh, or any videos that you've shot yourself. <laughs> bat versus of, rat. Of a bat versus rat showdown. That's pretty much about it for World Cup 1986. Uh, the final was was pretty good. Argentina won. Maradona had dragged them there, sort of almost single-handedly. Uh, the most notable thing I think about the three-two win was that the first goal was scored by George Brown for mm. Argentina, which is a, an excellent name for an Argentinian man. I mean, that's almost the only other player I remember from that Argentina team. But we mm. were talking about, is it possible for a team to win a World Cup just with, with one, one great player? On because, cocaine. Yeah, just one man plus cocaine. <laughs> is he capable of taking on the rest of the world? In 86, Maradona proved that the answer to that question was yes. I think it's no, because we've just cited George Brown. Yeah, but if George one, Brown, one, no, George man, Brown was just the guy that I remember because he's got a, he's the a name that, that doesn't. It just sounds incongruous, doesn't it, George Brown? That's how I remember it. It's like, what the fuck is George Brown doing playing for Argentina? He scored the goal, he scored the first goal. So I think we've proven that no one man cannot win the World Cup on his own unless he's backed up by a fella called George Brown. But let me just say this one last thing. We've touched upon it already, and notwithstanding how he made his decision about moving to Barcelona after this World Cup, weren't Gary Lineker fucking great, that World Cup? Fantastic. Weren't he great? I remember we used to go, Gary, 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 Lineker, 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 goal! Because that was like the Mexican commentary that someone had shown on TV. Right. I mean, he was a fucking superstar, wasn't yeah. he? What a guy. And that is what made... I mean, today he remains, you know, he's a national treasure. And I actually think he's a top bloke as well, Gary Lineker. He and seems to be, yeah. That made his name. He that absolutely, was life-changing. Yeah, he stormed the world. So that game against Poland changed his life forever. We mentioned Jerry Armstrong's life-changing in the, the yeah. last, the 82 World Cup. But Lineker's life changed for the better. Yeah. As opposed to yeah. the Jerry Armstrong story. And not a drop of cocaine in him. Never. Not then, not ever. So, uh, Lineker was the real hero to me. He was. He dragged us there through to the quarterfinals single-handed. And we were... Without without a George Brown. And we were genuinely unlucky in the end against Argentina because although, you know, they deserved to win just because of Maradona, but we were unlucky. John Barnes came on, sent in across, Lineker scored, then he sent in another one and Lineker missed it by half an inch. Yep. And I think we would have won it, but there you go. Maybe we'll win in 1990. We'll find out in the next episode. We're going to end with ITV's uh, theme music for the 1986 World Cup which we've relegated to second place in our, our sort of judgement because they carried on using it for years afterwards didn't they, they used it so and it stopped the being the World it Cup didn't music feel special, it just did became it? generic but I actually think judged just on face value it was superior to the BBC one because it sounded more Mexico centric yeah uh, well I think that 
rats are better than bats. Oh, okay. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.